Lee and Pete Kligman as they make their way up here. Check, check, check. Oh, it's on. Okay, so last week we started, we're, we're doing a, these are my panel of experts on the demonic. <laughs> um, um, because of what they've been through this week. You know, we started, we're doing a, a study through the entire book of Ephesians. And this week we're going to be finishing up the the parts of the, the armor of God. And, you know, the Lord is so gracious to us to give us tools so that we don't have to be victims. You know, that we can be victorious in Christ. And, yes, I forgot the clicker. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have the clicker? <gasps> I need the clicker. I'm so sorry. I, I had the weirdest night last night. I was so exhausted that I fell asleep at 8 o'clock, and then I woke up at midnight, and I was awake until like 4.30. So if I say things that are really bizarre, I kind of fell back asleep a little bit until like 6. So I'd say sleep deprivation is kind of driving me this morning. But um, Ka'ule, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your, uh, your experience with... Thank you, Bruce. Can you guys say thank you to Bruce? Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Good morning. Um, gosh, well, I am a mom of four amazing kids. Um, after our first three uh, were grown, almost grown, um, the Lord, in his graciousness and actually faithfulness, decided to bless us with a little baby girl. And talking about faith, um, we always, always thought we were supposed to have another baby and, and a girl, actually. We really felt like God had promised her to us. So when she came uh, 14 years, you know, our youngest was 14 years old, thanks. Um, he brought her to us. So I am in love with Jesus and my husband and my kids, and I'm just so thankful. Um, Doug and I came out here 18, 17, almost 18 years ago uh, with our church plant team, the Van Rees, the Calmers, the Carters, and ourselves, um, and I'll tell. I'm actually going to expound about uh, on that a little bit more later um, about our stepping out in faith. But we did come out here to help plant this church, the Adventure, and it was no coincidence that as we drove off, that was the song that was playing in our moving van. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman's "The Great Adventure." It was kind of kind of ironic, but cool at the same time. Talk about prophetic. But um, yeah, we've been here since the beginning, and we've just had the privilege of. Uh, serving and loving people, um, and uh, I just want to continue doing that until the day I die. We just want to show people the love of Christ and show people his grace, what Jesus did for them and how much he loves them, um, and to break the chains of religiosity mm-hmm. and to bring them into a personal and life-transforming relationship with him. So about it. Can y'all thank Ka'ule for taking time out of her very busy schedule to come and instruct us and give us insight? Pete, can you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. <laughs> um, I said little. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, and that says it all, right? Um, and I came out here for graduate school, and I, I uh, graduated. I actually came to know the Lord. I grew up in going to Sunday school and church, but I never really knew the Lord. And it wasn't until I came out here 
and met up with some folks that were very genuine. And I got to know the Lord in about 1990. Um, graduated in 91, married my best friend, Corinne. Many of you know her. And uh, we now have 12 children and 13, as of yet, so far, 13 grandchildren. And um, one thing that's kind of interesting to me, and I just thought it was kind of funny, is all those years of studying uh, chemistry and physics and mathematics and all the formulas that, w- that went with it, back then it was all Greek to me. Now that I'm studying the Word of God, guess what? It's still all <laughs> Greek to me. That's so good. Well, let's, can you guys just join us um, in prayer as we, we really, you know, we don't want to just fill your heads full of a lot of knowledge. We, I mean, our, we talked about it this week. Really, we want to see God transform your life. And, you know, the, the Bible is clear about that. And so would you just uh, pray with us and for us for clarity and that we would speak as though speaking the very words of God? Father, we humble our hearts as we come before you, Lord, and um, all three of us up here, we, we take this responsibility very seriously. Lord, we don't want to be trite nor flippant about your word. God, your word is so powerful, and it is the thing that can change us. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give the three of us clarity and insight and wisdom that we would hear your direction and your voice this morning. Lord, and I pray for the hearts of those who are here. God, I pray that you would enlighten them. Lord, that you would give each and every person in this room a revelation, not only of your love, Lord, but also of the truth of your word. Take us deeper. Jesus, that's our desire, to go deeper with you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, we've been studying... uh, the armor of God. And um, we're just going to do a little brief recap, um, starting with uh, verse 10, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all that, because of this battle that we are surely engaged in, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will have spiritual battle. It's a given. You, you're, we're not exempt. And I apologize to all those Southerners who thought I was being derogatory last week when I said, we don't have no demons here, we're American. So I guess, I guess some Southern, Southerners were, it's, they weren't really offended, but they did point that out to me. How come and they always sound like hicks? So I apologize to you Southerners. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I'm going to say that again. Then, after the battle, which means it, it will come to a close at some point, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Woo! Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, this is what we covered last week. We covered the belt of truth, which is to be 
girded around us, which holds up all the rest of the armor, and the breastplate of righteousness, which covers all of our organs, including our front side and our back side, were covered with the righteousness of God. And then today we're going to be talking about the rest of the armor of God. Um, It says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so you will be fully prepared. Okay? And we're going to start with that today. Um, These are the pieces we're going to cover. The shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And we have a lot to get through. As you know, there there are a lot of Bible studies on this topic but we have been asking the Lord to give us new insights and, um, and new um, knowledge concerning this so that we can share it with you guys. So um, the shoes of the gospel of peace is the first section, it says, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Pete, can you expound a little bit on what that is? And Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um... You saw the shoes, and the, the shoes actually had hobnails on it and so forth. And so what do we stand on? I mean, he says to stand firm, right? He says to stand, stand firm. Well, you got to stand firm. What are we standing on? Well, the rock, uh, the rock, Jesus Christ. It's the old hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Maybe some of you remember that. Maybe some of you don't. Probably some of you don't. But one of the things that came to mind when I was thinking a lot of that was uh, scripture from First Peter and, uh, of course, I go to my namesake. I mean, who else am I going to go to, right? First uh, Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Well, that is the preparedness, the readiness that those shoes have. The gospel gives you that readiness. It's all part of the training as being in the army of God. Absolutely agree, Pete. And I, I see the shoes of peace. You know, um, the New King James Version, it says to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shodding simply means to put on uh, footwear, you know, a boot. And all these years, just putting on the armor as a family, um, I really felt like that there were t- it was a twofold uh, thing with the shoes of peace. Number one, and we've talked about this, we need to be in God's peace. We need to have peace in the middle of the battle, don't we? Because when it's raging around us, if we're, if we're letting the enemy just have his way with us, he takes our peace away. I really believe that is one of the main things he wants. He wants to take away the peace that we have in Christ. So I believe there's, it's twofold. One, we walk in peace. And number two, we share that peace. Just like Pete talked about, we're prepared to share the peace. And where does that peace of God come from? It only comes through faith in Jesus, through a relationship with the living God. Um, speaking of peace, you know, we talk to a lot of people during the week. We pray with them. We counsel them. And um, there's just a lot of worry. Do, does anybody out here worry? Okay. Actually, I, I, I wanted to, I want to do a, a poll. How many of you, you know, based on, on what we're reading here, how many of you have felt like an an unusual attack, maybe on you individually this or week. this just this past week. No, there's there's quite a few, a few of you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, we had talked about that when we mm-hmm. met this week that it slammed us hard because I the enemy doesn't want us to really know the word of God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us to know 
what's available to us to stand against the enemy. And so, yeah, we really felt it. And I talked to a few people this week who uh, are really going through it as well. One thing, though, a friend of mine came up to me this morning. It was so cool. She said the next day she put on this super thick belt just to sort of, she said, this is my belt of truth, <laughs> Jen. And then she put on this jean jacket just saying, this is my breastplate of righteousness. And I thought that was really cool. So she was putting it into practice. Right on. That's great. That's great. I love it. So, you know, we go through just a lot of, just a lot of situations every day, right? Our kids, our finances, um, our jobs, friendships, relationships, health, um, our marriages, you know, it all comes under attack. And so this is one scripture that I learned and memorized many, many years ago. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come to him for everything. It could, it could feel like we we're never going to get over what we're going through, or it's never going to happen, whatever those things are that we need. God supplies all our needs in riches through Christ Jesus, all of them. So that's just one thing I want to encourage you guys with today is just go to him. Tell him what you need and be thankful. That's the one thing I love it says is to be thankful. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is you're going through, and I don't want to minimize what you're going through. Please hear my heart. <sighs> my heart is a little heavy just because I've talked to a few dear friends this week who are just really going through some tough things. And, um, and it's difficult when the enemy just comes and slams us, you know? But the, the truth of the matter is, is that he does. He walks around like a roaring lion. Again, don't be afraid, but don't be surprised. Do you know what I mean? Don't be surprised when he comes. Wait, say that again. Don't be surprised when he don't comes. Don't be afraid. And don't be, yes, don't be afraid and don't be surprised because it's just what it is. When we come into that relationship with Christ, we do have a target on our back. But God has not left us without tools, without the weapons, and without what we need to stand and become victorious. I loved when we um, sang that song today. It ended in freedom. And my heart just got so full because we all want to walk in freedom. That's what God wants for us. And I know all of us aren't there yet completely, right? There's still areas in all of our lives where we're not yet set free. But in the name of Jesus, we're set free because he's already paid the price. He's already given us the victory. We just need to walk in it. That's right. So, go ahead. I, I just want to say, you know, I think um, if when you're going through a really hard time and you hear people saying, oh, yeah, you can have God's peace, I just want to assure you that it is a reality. Yep. That you do not have to live bound by anxiety That's right. and stress. It is possible to walk in peace. It is truly possible. And we're going to give you some more tools today as we go on to be able to encounter that and to, and to be able to live that as a lifestyle. That's right. That you could live a life of peace. And at the end, we're going to have a time of prayer too. So if, if that's something that, you know, you've struggled with or whatever, we just, we want to be able to pray with you. So um, we're going to move on to the, the second part here. It's the shield of faith. 
It says in uh, verse 6, wait, that's not right. I don't know what verse, 16. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Yes. Okay, how do you deny that there's a devil? How can you live in that kind of denial? Pete, you want to talk to us a little bit about, there's a cool picture of a shield of faith with those fiery arrows. Yeah, <laughs> um, shield of faith, it's, remember that, that um, when, we, when we go through reading the Bible, we study about faith and how faith is what's going to carry us through. And, and I know some, many of you might have gotten some platitudes, well, you just got to have faith, you got to have faith, nonsense. Well, it, that is true. It is true that you have to have faith, but faith is a gift from God. You have to receive that gift, and you got to use that gift. The shield, if you're not putting up your shield, you are going to get hit with those fiery darts. And honestly, if you've ever been hit with those fiery darts, and I have because I let my shield drop, um, they burn. <laughs> um, there's, uh, in, again, in my namesake, First Peter, um, First Peter, there, there's a lot of verses there, but I just want to go to the one where it talks a little bit about fire, sorry. Um, First Peter 3, I'm sorry, 1, 7. So they tested genuineness of their faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We will be tested. Um, we will be tested with fiery darts, and we have to have that faith, that shield of faith in place. Um, these are some, can you kind of yeah. explain those to yeah, us? Yeah, the, the one on, I guess it's my left, that would be your left too, sorry. That, that's the most common one. That's the most common one legionnaires would, would carry. And if you were here last week, you saw that picture where they were in that, what I called the, the turtle formation, where they would hold them over their heads and they'd hold them and everybody surrounding them would hold them up. And that way, as the arrows, as the archers fire, fired their arrows in, they would be blocked out. Because the arrows are going to be coming from every which way. And they're, they're going to be coming trying to find a way in. Um, the middle shield is, was more of a um, cavalry or more of a guard's shield. Um, it was used more as one-on-one fighting or protecting protecting the, the emperor. He had his own personal elite squad. It was called the Praetorian Guard. Um, I could go in forever and ever on that sort of thing, but we don't have the time for that. And the last one is another typical type of shield that was also worn by the legionnaires. The, the shield often, the design and the decoration would tell you what legion and what particular army they were with. Um, but again, the one on the left was the most common one used by legionnaires. Well, I, what I think is really cool about that is if you look at that one, it's very long. You know, it's meant to cover our entire body if we're holding it up. And I like what you said, Pete, earlier. We've got to keep it up, guys. We've got to hold that shield of faith up every single day. And I, I want to say something here. Um, it gets tiring, doesn't it? It's day heavy. in and day out. Sometimes life can be hard. We don't know what each other is going through, do we, all the time? We don't know the heartbreak. We don't know the challenges. We don't know, you know, the health issues all the time. And I just want to just take a minute to say that God knows. And what one person goes through may not be a big deal to someone else, 
it's a big deal to that, that person. And don't ever, please do not ever judge someone else's trial. If they're going through something and then you go, wow, I've never been through that. I don't struggle with that. That is not God's heart. Because each of us goes through trials that are our own. And so, and I love Pete last week, we need to come alongside each other. We may not even be able to empathize because we may not have ever gone through something like that before. But it's real for our brother and sister. Or even for someone who doesn't know the Lord. We're called to compassion. We're called to come alongside and offer the hope that is Christ. So that's one thing I wanted to say. When we talk about faith, you oftentimes hear in sermons, well, or even in conversation, well, you just didn't have enough faith. That's why you're still sick. Or even worse, things that we have heard. You know, they died because you didn't have enough faith. You know, that's, I don't know how anyone could ever say that. But people say things like that. And just remember that we all go through different types of trials and we want to come alongside. And even though we may not understand it, we want to lift those people up and pray for one another. You understand? Because our trials are all different. Um, Just one thing really quick, sorry. Um, Remember that, if you remember that picture, do we still have that picture, the the turtle one? No, we don't. Okay, that's okay. Um, If one person in that formation... In that, if we think of uh, the formation, the block formation is our church. If one person in that formation, when the attack is on, lowers their shield, how many arrows get through? Mm. Think about that for a second. Because it's a big shield. As, as Cooley has said, it's a big shield. So if one shield gets lowered, whether you're in the middle or in the side or in the back, if one shield gets lowered, how many of those fiery darts are going to get through? So, yeah, it is your responsibility to protect your brother and sister in, in, in times of combat. And remember what it says uh, in, that, in that verse in 16, that we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It doesn't feel that way a lot of the times <laughs> that we can quench every fiery dart, but that's what the Word of God says. Um, does anyone know what bi- the Bible says faith is? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NLT says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's faith. That is faith. We have to have faith. Um, It goes on in Hebrews to talk about the many people that went before us, Moses, Abraham, Noah, and how by faith they trusted God. They didn't see anything of what he had promised them, but he asked them to walk in faith and for those of you who haven't read those stories, go read them because they're so exciting. They're so inspiring. You know, Noah built an ark when there was no, no sign of rain, <laughs> nothing. He was told to build an ark. People laughed at him. People called him crazy. But he believed God in spite of what he saw, and he built that ark, and it saved his family's life. You know, Abraham believed in faith that at 90 years old he was going to have a baby, and Sarah was 75, right? when she was told, and then she was almost 90 when she had her had him. But can you be- believe that? <laughs> Believing God for a baby when you're that old, that's pretty crazy. But he did. He believed God, and therefore the Lord blessed him, and he was the father of all the nations, many nations. So just read those stories and be inspired. And I love what it says in Hebrews eleven six. Think about this. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
Can you read that again, please? Yes. That's a really important scripture. Now remember, this isn't, this isn't a, something to make you feel bad. It's something to encourage you, okay, to have faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Isn't that awesome? And that's, you know, that's, that's a gift to us. You know, that's the, the, the whole reason we can have faith is because of the character of God, because God is so good. That's the reason that we can have faith. We don't have faith in our own faith. We don't have faith in our ability to, you, you know, you know, back, I don't know, a few years back, they had the name it, claim it whole thing, or where you'd speak it into existence. And that doesn't work. <laughs> Uh oh, his mic is dead. I think. Um, what did you say, Ron? Oh, so you, you mean go. that doesn't work? <laughs> Apparently not. But you know that that whole thing where people they think, oh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I'm sick because, you know, then then I'm speaking negativity, you know. And it's like, well, if you're sick, you speak truth because Jesus is about truth. You say, right now I'm sick. I mean, and there. are I hate to burst your bubble, but we are not all promised to be healed. I, I mean, there's plenty of examples in the Bible where people were not healed. You know, Paul had the thorn in the flesh. I mean, there are, there are things that, I mean, we still ask because the Lord tells us to ask. He says that we should pray. We should anoint people with oil, and we should pray, and we should ask the Lord. But it doesn't say that that absolutely every infirmity that we have will be healed. So I just wanted to dispel that, um, that notion. We still trust God no matter what. If we have cancer, we still trust God, even if he doesn't heal us. You know, I mean, I remember the night Eric was laying in the hospital, and, and I knew that the ultimate healing that he was going to experience was to go and be with the Lord. That's the ultimate healing. So God did essentially heal him, but it certainly wasn't in the way that any of us, uh, any of us wanted. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, we're going to go on to the next part, just in the interest of time. Um, the helmet of salvation. It says, put on salvation as your helmet. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 23... Um, it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Um, Pete, you want to expound a little bit on that? Yeah, um, a helmet, those of you who ride motorcycles or ride um, bicycles or rollerblade or skate, skateboarding, you know your helmet is your main protection. Well, the same was true for the warriors. The helmet is your main protection. It covers the head, the whole head. And, you know, that's where, that's where everything begins. It begins in your mind, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It begins in your, in your brain. Uh, we, we, we talked about, uh, uh, what is this, where he says, um, uh, gosh, my brain just, speaking of brain, <laughs> um, take every thought captive. Taking every thought captive. We demolish strongholds by taking thought captives. God was not so much concerned about our actions, although he was, because he knew the actions had to start somewhere, and it starts in your mind and in your heart. And if it's not protected, if it is not covered by the salvation of Jesus Christ, then you know what? 
your, you can put on anything you want. It's not going to work. You need the right helmet, and that right helmet is the helmet of salvation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just my heart exactly, just to expound on that. Just think about, and we've all done things that we shouldn't do. We've all done things that displease God, and we probably will continue until the day he comes back. But think about where sin starts. We don't just go do something. It starts up here, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? It's a thought in our mind mm-hmm. that we think, oh, no one will know. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? It, the sin life starts in our mind, and that's where Satan attacks us. And one of his weapons, the biggest weapon that he has are lies. Yep. Lies about who we are in Christ. Lies about who God has made us. Lies about his character and what he's doing for us in our lives. That's the thing, is we have to protect our thought life. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing about the helmet of salvation I wanted to say is that he wants us to doubt our salvation. I mean, I don't know if anyone in here has ever doubted that you're saved because of what's going on in your life or the choices you've made, but remember Mm -hmm. that you do not have to doubt your salvation, okay? God has you. God has you. It says, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. We are secure in Jesus Christ. Um, can I say one thing about the, the I want to say something. Um, you know, we t- I thank you for bringing that up, taking every thought captive, because that's really what we need to do on a daily basis is taking those thoughts captive. They just keep coming sometimes, and we just have to make sure that we're letting the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes like you said. And I love Philippians 4, 8 that says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true Mm -hmm. and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And when we're doing that, we can't gossip, right? When we're thinking about that, we can't rail against our husbands or our wives or our kids, you know, we all do it, right? I mean, I'm not saying we don't. But when we go back to the Word of God and we're fixing our thoughts on those things, it is so difficult for us to dishonor God and dishonor one another. So, one, Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing, <coughs> our head is where we go. Yeah. We point ourselves in the direction of where we're going to go using our head. Our eyes are faced forward and we guide our head where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And what is going to guide, where, what we're thinking and how we're going to face and what enemy we're going to face or what direction we go in, has to, we, we should always be putting that before God. We should always be basing that on our salvation. And, and our, the Holy Spirit comes to us. He guides us through salvation. So when we had that helmet of salvation on and we're, we're in tune with God and listening to him and hearing him, and thinking on his word, then we can point ourselves in the direction that we should go. We can take our head and direct it where we should go. And, and I have to say, um, moving into this, the last section on the sword of the spirit, it's, um, I, I had a situation this week, and it was, it was plaguing me in my thoughts. And I had to um, literally take scriptures and just quote them out loud and I'm going to explain what the spiritual principle is behind this but mm-hmm. but to but to have the word of God and to speak it out in order to change your mind you know because the bible says as a man speaks 
or as a man thinks, so is he. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that is why it is so important for us to put the word of God into our hearts so that we can speak that word. And, and the next section, um, we really wanted to make sure to cover this one. We don't want to gloss over this at all. Because interestingly, you know, the armor of God starts with the belt of truth, which is the Bible or the word of God. And then it ends with the sword of the spirit. The sword is the only piece of armor that is offensive. This is the only piece that isn't used to protect us or defend us. Every one of the other ones are used for that purpose. But this one is used for offense. So that when the day of evil comes, we can not only stand, but we can slay the evil one. Right? And see, the thing is, the Bible talks about itself. And what it says about itself is it's, it, it uses three different words. Graphe, which means just the written word of God. That's just... You know, the Bible, that's just the book. And, um, and then it talks about the logo, logos, which means the message of the word or the understanding of that word. But I think you mentioned it last week, Pete. You know, there's a lot of cult leaders that know the Bible and they understand the message, but they don't have the rhema of God, which is the third word that's used. The rhema of God is the understanding and the practical application and the speaking out of the word of God. And if you ever come to me for advice, I will probably always point you back to the word of God first and foremost. And if if you're coming to me about someone else, I will probably tell you to read the word of God out loud over them, over their, if, if it's your spouse, over their side of the bed or in the shower, or in their car, or whatever it is, read the word of God out loud, because it is living and active. And um, I just want to make that distinction, because when, we, when it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This describes, that's what this is talking about, but it's not the graphe or the Logos, this is talking about the rhema word. You know, I talk about your bold print verses that you'll be reading along, just minding your own business, and all of a sudden a verse will just pop out at you, and you'll be like, when did God put this in the Bible? You know, as though it were the first time you'd ever seen it, even though you may have read that particular section thousands of times. That's rhema. That's when it pops out and it speaks exactly to your situation. It speaks exactly to what you're encountering or experiencing at the time. And Pete gave me these, uh, whoops, oh, there we go. I I guess I had a little slide about that. So it's the graphe, the written word, the logos, the message of the word, and the rhema, the spoken word, the understanding or the the application of the word of God. And um, there's some swords. Pete, you want to describe what's happening here? What are those scary-looking things? Looks and, like uh, And they bonsai. were scary. The, the Roman sword was a very deadly instrument, and it's very scary. And there's a different lengths, and they're uh, depending on your rank and how, how, your, uh, how much money you had. You had you know, a prettier sword, but every sword was always sharp. And, and the sword was only about... At this thing. It was called the Roman short. I, I always have trouble with this. Short sword. And the reason why is because it was short. But the reason why it was short was because the Romans were well practiced. They fought not just out in the open, but they fought in cities and, and in close places and close quarters. So they needed 
something that they can maneuver with, something that was deadly, and something that they could easily access quickly. It was hung high on the belt, and they could get it out really quick and use it and use it and maneuver with it, and they were well-versed with it. And that's why, I mean, they don't, that picture doesn't quite give it justice. Maybe what I should have done was put a broadsword next to it so you could see the difference between the two. Um, but it was, it was short and it was deadly. And if you look at them, all of them look kind of nasty, and you really wouldn't want to be stuck with one of those. Um, <laughs> one of the, uh, the thing about, well, I'm going to let Kool-Aid um, take from here because she has some really great insights on the sword. Well, thank, you for, thank you for explaining that. Um, I would like to have a sword, actually. <laughs> My son Mitchell's into swords. He probably has one. Um, what you were saying earlier about Rhema, mm-hmm. you know, um, Hebrews 4.12, and I'm sure we all know this, but I'm going to read it anyways, that Rhema that goes into our hearts. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Mm-hmm. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Is that not true? When you read the word of God, doesn't it get right in there? And it teaches us, it convicts us, it corrects us. And that's exactly what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That's what God has given us, you guys. That is what he's given us to live daily. It gives us power. It gives us the ability to stand and see it just change us from the inside out. And that's what God wants. He wants us changed from the inside out. And the only real way to do that is to get into his word daily, to get into his word and to study it. This isn't a, if you don't do it, you're not a good Christian. That's not this at all. What it is is it's an encouragement because that's how we grow, and that's the tool that God's given us, all right? Does, do you guys get that? That's our tool. You know, Kule, um, one of the things that's, that, that's brought to mind, and having done a lot of this study, the, the history and everything, um, I'm thankful for somebody named Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, when did Paul write this? Paul wrote this first century A.D., the only thing they had, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have electronics. They didn't have very much the written word. It's called the sword of the Spirit because they had the Spirit. The Word of God came from the Spirit. They did have the letters, and they would go about and, and, and cycle them through the churches. But they and some of the synagogues had the Old Testament, but it wasn't available to everybody. So what they had to do was they did, for a lot, have to rely on the Spirit. Now, we are so fortunate, so blessed that we have the technology, and the technology has, and everybody has access to a Bible, at least in this country. In other countries, not so much. But in this country, um, which, by the way, gives us a greater responsibility, um, in this country, we have access to, to the, the sword quite easily, but we can't forget the rhema, the rhema part of it. It comes from the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God. Not the Word of man, but the Word of God. And it is a sword. But it does, we can't forget that we had the Holy Spirit inside of us right. guiding us as we get to read that. And those people back then, they had the Holy Spirit inside them guiding them. And, and I think maybe we get a little bit lazy by not reading it. 
but they didn't, ha- they didn't have the ability to read it, so they were more in tune to listening. So for us, we can get more in tune because we have the availability to read and listen. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, so go ahead. I think that's the thing to remember. It is the Holy Spirit himself. He is the one that allows us to get that word hidden in our heart. And the Bible talks about that, to hide the word in your heart that we may not sin against God. So that's the encouragement for the word of God, is to just get it in here so that we can just speak it out for victory, for freedom, just to, just to speak out God's truth in our lives and for others. So, Can I just challenge you to do that this week? I mean, again, back to what I was saying earlier about the situation that I was dealing with. I had to, I had to just, I, I would call it maybe frenetic. Well, maybe it was. But I mean, I just kept quoting scriptures over and over and over to overcome the situation, to overcome what the thoughts that I was having, because I was having thoughts that were contrary to what I knew were in the word of God. And the only way that I could combat that was to pick up that sword, and it, and it is, of the spirit. It's not just, the, it's not of our spirit, it's the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, and that is making it the rhema of God, and making it real in my life. And that was the way, the only way that I could, could combat these obsessive thoughts that I was having was to quote the word of God, quote the word of God. And I have to tell you, I I was victorious. Thank God. And you can be victorious too. It's, I mean, it, it works. I, I hate to make it sound so trite, but, but it is true. The principles of God are so practical. You know, it's not like this high and lofty thought. It is practical way that you can live and you can walk in that freedom that Kaule was talking about earlier. Just one probably last thing is um, what does this mean for us, though, as a church? I mean, all of this has to come together as a church. Yes, we have battles. We have personal battles. But your brother and sister standing next to you and behind you are also battling. They're also in the battle, and we're commanded to stand. What are we standing for? We're standing for the ground for the kingdom of God. We're stand, that's the ground. It's been conquered, but now it needs to be protected, and now it needs to stand. But it doesn't work. It does not work if we're not in unity. Right. And all this training can be, you know, it's, uh, back in the 70s, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers had some of the best players in the league, and yet they couldn't win a championship because they were all playing as individuals and not as a team. And that's the same thing in warfare. If you're not fighting as a team, as a church, and recognizing um, when your brother falters, your sister, your sister needs to be held up, rather than stomping on them while they're down there, picking them up and moving them to the back if they're getting weary from the battle. It's, that's all part of it. And Paul was trying to get that message to across. It's not, yes, there's individual training, but there is the unity of a church. Um, it says, too, in uh, Psalm, what does that say? 119, 105, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It, it's talking about how we walk. It's talking about taking that next step. You know, God doesn't usually speak to us about some way distant time in the future. He talks to us about taking that next step and walking with him. 
And it says in James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It's saying that if you're reading the word, the graphe, and you're, and you're understanding it, the logos, but you're not applying it to your life, you're being deceived. You're deceiving yourself. You don't even need the devil to deceive you. You're doing it yourself. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Kule, you want to read this one? Yes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Don't forget that. When the enemy comes telling you that you're not saved, you're still doing the same things that you used to do, there's no change in your life, that's the offensive word of God. We say, no, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the offensive part of the word of God. Do you see that? It's coming against that lie. It's coming against the thoughts that the enemy is trying to get into our mind. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you know the word of God, you can, you can just speak it out and combat those lies of the enemy. Mm-hmm. So, you want to pray for us? Yes. So um, we want to have a time of prayer now. Um, to kind of cover these four areas, uh, Kule is going to pray for us, and we're going to have a little time of ministry. And, and as I mentioned before, if you, you know, if you struggle with one of these four areas, um, either having peace or having faith or doubting your salvation or um, understanding and, and applying the word of God, we really do want to pray for you. And um, so, Kule, would you go ahead and lead us? You bet. Father God, we are so thankful for your love, first of all, and your grace and your forgiveness, and that you are a faithful God. We just praise you. And God, as we just spoke about the rest of the armor today, about your word, Lord, we just pray that it just touched the hearts and minds of everyone here, Lord, in the way that they, in the place that they are in their lives, that it really spoke to them. And God, I just want to lift up every family here, every individual, Lord, because you love them so much. And your desire for each person here is to walk in truth, to know who they are in you, Jesus, and to have victory and freedom over the devil. When he comes with those fiery darts, you want us to be able to stand, having done all to stand. And I pray that for each and every person here today. That no matter what comes their way, no matter what they're going through, that they know they can trust you, they know they can stand on your word, they know that they have people in their lives that know you, Lord, that can pray with them, and that having done all, that they can stand, and that they will walk in the victory that you've already paid for. Bless everyone here today. Bless their weeks. And when the battle gets hot, Lord, let us remember that we have to put that armor on, God. Let us walk in our armor this week. And encourage others to do the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how many of you got something out of this? Did you learn something? Just 12 of you? That's good. Well, those 12 of you, that's the army. <laughs> no, I, I, I just want you to review this again. You know, take this home. Read this at home. And ask the Holy Spirit to make this real in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the practical application because he's given us, as, as Pete mentioned, he's given us the gift, but we have to take it up. We have to apply it. We can't just expect, oh, God's given me that gift. I'm going to put that up in the closet and, and never use it. 
It has to be applied in our lives. And these days are evil. And the Bible says, make the most of your time, for these days are evil. So God bless you. If you need prayer, please come forward, and we'll, we'd be happy to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great Thanksgiving. Give thanks to God. And uh, we're going to be talking about prayer next week. So come with your prayer cloths or whatever they are. God bless you guys. See you next week.